Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, June the 7th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, proper week five, which is the second Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Wednesday of the week, we'd like to pick up one of the extra passages, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary, and this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves with a, a bit of a decision about an extra psalm or an extra Old Testament passage. So today I decided to go with the extra Old Testament passage. It comes from Hosea chapter 5, verse 15 to chapter 6, verse 6. So let me read that passage provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us party in morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, to chapter 6, verse 6. Then I'll return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear he will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do for you or with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God, rather than burnt offerings. This is the word of God for us. Ay, 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 these are tough passages. They're good to have and they're good to grapple with. And we tend to see maybe a couple of extremes whenever these passages are considered. Extreme number one, is that uh, people try to disregard them. They try to say, oh, this is just strong figurative language only. Um, God was just using these, these stark terms to get Israel's attention uh, so that they would repent. But God would never do these sort of things like, you know, cut people to pieces with prophets and blah, blah, blah. The other extreme is to say, yes, God is this harsh and uh, you better straighten up or else. And it almost begins to feel like crowd control religion, which um, I, I think may, many primitive and even modern people have just had little to no appetite for from time to time. And so like a lot of things, I mean, you could take one of those extremes if you like. Um, it's your life. You can do whatever you want as you read the Bible. Um, my recommendation is to continue to take the big books off the shelf and to think it through. Uh, and probably a, mo a moderate position might be uh, the better one. I think if you look up a little further, uh, God call, uh, compares himself a rot and a moth. And I think that that's a bit of a, a, I think an important piece to this puzzle because it does sound like God's either neglecting Israel or God is going to, in a moment, decisively bring destruction upon Israel unless they repent. Uh, but that detail in the early in the chapter that uh, the lectionary didn't uh, provide it provides this idea of like a rot that works 
quite slowly, or a moth that works quite slowly, like the destruction is not all at once, but it begins to seep in, and you begin to see initial signs of it, and therefore you can intervene. Uh, I was reading one of the commentaries for just preparing for today. It was from John Goldingay. He talked about, even though he's um, from Europe, he lives in California now, and uh, he was teaching one night, and his wife was cleaning their office area, and she noticed that there was some rot underneath his desk. And he would not have recognized it. I mean, he's not trained in this area. He was probably not very observant, and uh, he probably wouldn't have caught it until it was too late, where like rot had gotten through the whole wall and it began to collapse. But since his wife was an architect, she saw the early signs, and therefore it could bring the right intervention. It seems that what's going on here with uh, the prophet Hosea He wants to, on the one hand, tell Israel that their behavior, their activity, what they've neglected is uh, is getting them closer and closer to an edge of judgment against God because they have gone wayward against their covenant uh, dedication to God. And so Hosea is not just saying, hey, this is going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. But uh, Hosea seems to use it as a call to repentance. That's why at the heart of this passage, this idea of God removing himself so that his people will seek him. And uh, Hosea gives this great promise that uh, if Israel were to seek him, um, that God would revive and restore. And uh, this is uh, a passage that's not just for the immediate context of the people of Israel, but this is one that begins to fill in the gap of uh, this, this resurrection theme that's toward the end of the Hebrew Bible of the Old Testament. Uh, when the early Christians began to talk about Jesus being raised from the dead, it was a new concept because only in the later parts of the Old Testament were people beginning to hint at these things. Right here, Hosea 6, uh, you have like Ezekiel 37, you have a couple places in the book of Daniel, which is um, a very um, late book in the Old Testament collective, right? And so they're beginning to grapple with, like, how is God going to restore uh, the fortunes to Israel, people who unfortunately uh, passed away without seeing the fulfillment of God, or because the nations have raged around them and the faithful have been swept up in the destruction, like how is God going to vindicate them? So what we begin to see are these whispers, these hints, these I don't know, subtle signposts that God's going to restore, that he's going to revive. And this idea of revive is to bring something back to life, right? So I think in the, in the heart of all this, I think the reason why we cover this and the ordinary time is because this is a placeholder about how uh, in the past God has uh, worked among the earth. Uh, God has not avoided the hardships of his people. God doesn't abandon his people. God wants to, at times, maybe bring a correction or steer us in a different direction. And so um, we tend to get more focused when things get a little tighter, a little more challenging. We tend to reach for a higher power, as it were. For aid and help. And so theologians will disagree and they'll argue whether God directly brings destruction or neglect or whether this is a more passive approach from God instead of direct. And they'll argue that until Jesus returns. All that we can know is that with the Bible, how it meets us, uh, how the truth is told to us in a slant way in a passage like this, is that hardships um, should be a, a season for us to seek God and whether God allows them, brings them or not, it's up for theologians and you know individual Christians or groups of Christians to decide. Common denominator between all those options 
is that in moments when we feel faint, we need to go to the one who can sustain and support us, right? So that might be us individually. Like we might be in a season where things seem to be a struggle. Like it like, seems like there's uh, no fruit, no harvest. Uh, it seems like we're working hard and making barely any progress. We wonder, where's God? I need help in this type of a moment. Uh, we might be in the midst of a community it seems we spinning our wheels like we, we we're discussing and we're planning and man there just seems to be um, no fruit for all of our effort and so there is some discouragement that's beginning to spread in our community right? we wonder where's god in all this has god abandoned us what we could say and see again and again in scripture that god doesn't abandon his people god is in covenant relationship uh, we're not abandoned and left alone uh, god is with us however these uh, seasons of struggle are times in which we are drawn near to God. So whether God is allowing that, whether God is causing that, or whether God uses that, it's up for you to decide, it's up for me to discern as we read and as we study and pray and work this thing out. All we can say is that we journey back to God in these times and we meet him there. And what we meet is a God who revives and restores. So that's going to be my prayer for us is that you and I would sense reviving and restoring in this season in front of us. With all those things in mind, let's pray to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you're with us through every season of life, seasons of plenty and seasons of lack, seasons of peace and seasons of conflict. You're the God who's always there. And we think that the very first name ascribed to you in the book of Genesis is El Roi, the God who sees us. We thank you that you see us today. Because some of my friends, we allow our souls to rise and meet you today, and we are in a place of struggle. Um, we've been misunderstood. Uh, we're in conflict within or a conflict within relationships or we're among a community that's been working hard and we seem to be making no progress and we wonder where you are we wonder we have these um we have this uh, sense of uh, maybe second guessing or doubting ourselves whether we're following you or not and we just thank you for the promises that we can cling to today in the midst of it all that you're with us and that you're going to sustain us you never let the righteous fall so i just pray for us all of us individually corporately during this season of lack uh, this season where things are a struggle. I pray that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. And I pray that you give us the strength to continue to move on uh, in the midst of this season, closer and closer towards that place of plenty and, and restoration and reviving. And so God, I pray hear our, that you hear our prayer today and that you lead us to that place of spaciousness where grace abounds. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.